welcome to IntelliCast, Season 3, Episode 47. That's right, it's Episode 47. We're in, still in October, it's crazy. Uh, thank you for listening. My name is Brian Lamar. I work at Insights here at EMI Research Solutions, and joining me today is producer Brian Peterson, who is our Digital Marketing Director. I don't think I've ever told our job titles before. I don't think you have either. It's <laughs> rare that you even use my last name. I know. Well, you're really more than Producer Brian. We, we, I don't know. We should, probably shouldn't call you Producer Brian anymore because, you know, you the first season and a half, I don't think you spoke a whole lot. And now you're just a mainstay. Yeah, it was the background. You could hear me once in a while in the background. And then we we intentionally made Canadian jokes, try to get you to talk. That was the extent of your participation. That was, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. You can reach us. Please email us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Follow us on Twitter, EMI underscore research, or IntelliCast1. And you can text us at 513-401-5463. What should we talk about today, Brian? Oh, I think you have an announcement, non-research related, don't you? Yeah, I do have an announcement. Let's talk about that. I, in July, well, let me start over. I've been kind of involved in little, our little local government. I live in a small township in, in Cincinnati. And in Ohio, we have townships which are smaller than a city, smaller than a village. There's some sort of designation in Ohio, and it's about less than 5,000 people. But in this township, we have what are called trustees. A trustee is kind of like your city council. And for the past few years, I've been kind of involved in our township just pretty engaged in the community. I did a survey among the residents around flooding because we had some flooding issues. I did a survey with a coffee shop that was opening around their menu items and hours of operation and entertainment. And I attended all the meetings. I just kind of got really involved. And I would recommend in this time of divisive politics, I would recommend to anyone to get involved in local politics because the people I work with and in the township, I don't know if they're designation or if they're Republican. I don't know if they're Democrat. I don't know if they're Green Party. I don't know if they're communist. But I do know that we share values and we work towards common goals. And it doesn't matter what political affiliation you are. Uh, we want better schools. We want safety. We want things like that that most of us want, right? We don't have to worry about the wall. We don't have to worry about abortion and Supreme Court nominations. We don't have to worry about a lot of that stuff. So I would recommend anyone to get involved in local politics. Having said that, in June, um, one of our three trustees moved out of the township. And you have to be a resident in order to be a trustee. So the township approached me and to be a trustee, which I am now. I accepted in August. And so since August, I've been a trustee, and which is pretty cool. A few of the things I've done, which is the fun part. By the way, this is a great job. It pays a little bit, not much. It's it's part-time. I do it on nights and weekends and every once in a while, a little bit during the day. Here's the things I've done. I've gone to a ribbon-cutting ceremony for the opening of a bike path. I've gone to the grand opening of a coffee shop, um, the one I mentioned earlier, I referred to earlier. I, have, I go to meetings once a month. I talk about the fire department. I Last night was a cool one, a cool event. I went and... We gave $75,000 towards um, the development of a bike path, which is pretty cool. And so uh, 
that's what I'm doing on on the side. It's kind of fun. I having getting involved in politics like that and and trying to help out our neighborhood and um, shaping the future and talking to neighbors about their needs and you know most people are just like there's too much traffic or I need a new road or what are you going to do about this? But anyway, that's the announcement. What did I miss, Brian? You know some of this. Um, yeah, so I have a few points. One, you shared a picture of you giving this $75,000 check. It looks like it came from, uh, what is that sweepstakes? Oh, Price is Right? No, or- the one the one in the mail. Oh, yeah. Publisher's Clearinghouse, yeah. Publisher's Clearinghouse. It looks like that. Before you said anything, when you put that up there, I thought you had won some sort of prize this morning. Oh, and that man. you were just gonna that you got your fu money and you were out. No, it was a we made a giant check, and we presented a giant check um, towards a yeah a shared use bike path in Cincinnati. Um, yeah, and I, I thought it was pretty cool that I had a picture of myself with a giant check on our during our company meetings. We go around and give personal life good news, and it was my good news, and I showed the picture. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, before you fun. mentioned what it was, yeah, I was like, oh, did he win? Do he in the lottery? Oh, did he wouldn't hit that been great? That uh, would that have been. check was made out to myself for like five million dollars, and I was like, my good news is, see ya, and then I exit out of the Zoom meeting. Yep, that would be a great way to go. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> and everybody be like, what just happened? D- yeah, people will be calling you, texting you, like, what was that? You just you're just radio silent. <laughs> Uh, but no, I am uh, doing my civic duty and I'm representing my neighborhood and I have to run for election next year. So that'll be a topic next year. I'm going to be running for election, assuming I enjoy this, which I think it will. Yeah. So you mentioned you did a PSA to get involved in your local politics. Can I put a caveat on that? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> um, so prior to my moving last year, you knew, uh, and this is something I wasn't didn't really talk about that I was on my HOA board. Yeah. At my previous neighborhood. Well, HOA board is a whole different animal. Yeah. It, get it. If you want to get involved in your local stuff, don't do your HOA. Yeah. It's a lot of people on power trips. Yeah. Your fence is t- too green. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I honestly, the only reason I did was because the board had some grand idea of redoing like the common space and essentially whatever plan they thought up was going to triple our homeowners association fees. Yeah. And my wife was going like door to door. I'm going to go door to door and do this. I'm like, none of that's going to work. I'm going to do Facebook posts. I'm like you go, you go have at it. I did nothing. I just went and said, I'll serve on the board. And I got on. <laughs> she goes, yeah, right. Okay. So I'm like, see, Real change, and we killed it. Like, that's, yeah, that's um, that's pretty much what I had to do. Um, the, you know, sure, I'll help out, and then I accepted the position before I even knew what the benefits were. Yeah. So, needless to say, I have not pursued that in my current neighborhood. So, yeah. yeah. But one cool thing we get to do is there's all this CARES Act money that I'm starting to learn that pretty much any business that needs some money. Reach out to your local government officials, and there's money available. It's pretty crazy. So we've provided heat lamps to all the locally owned restaurants in the neighborhood um, for free through the CARES Act. We are building um, an outdoor patio for some outdoor restaurants. 
um, for COVID so that people feel more comfortable, at least, you know, during the fall and winter, um, not going inside. They can still eat out, outside at the outdoor patio. There are new heat lamps. Um, we, you know, we provided some help to local um, small businesses, which is pretty cool to, to do that and be involved in that. Yeah. I know you and I have talked off air about supporting your local businesses. And even through all this time, yeah. my wife and I, we'll, we rarely leave our Springboro vicinity yeah. and we'll go to the local restaurants here because we want to make sure they're still around. Yeah. This is why we like our little town. Yeah. And we want to make sure it stays that way. Um, but the heat lamp piece, I know you and I joked like, hey, you had they were on back order because they're all getting bought because in some cases that might be the only way a restaurant stays alive. Yeah. Expanding their outside patio because you have a lot of places still have restrictions on the number of people inside. And if they can't get the patio, get that patio component, they're going to go under. Right. Yeah. So even now, like you said, you know, it's getting colder out. People are probably eating out at least a lot of people are eating out less because of the cold and uncomfortable being inside. And, you know, we could, most of us could eat outdoors for the last few months. So now it's even more important to try to support your local businesses and get some carry out and, you know, do what you can to help out. You know, everybody's struggling. If you yeah. have a little local restaurant, especially if it's a non-chain, it's just a local resident, a local owner, um, you know, eating out every once in a while will really help them out. So, Yeah, and we try to order from the local restaurants. So we have a couple down here. One is like a family sports bar, which sounds like an oxymoron. But it's like if you go to eat in there, they close at 11 o'clock, even on like Friday and Saturday. You know, when those are big sports nights and you want to watch college football till midnight. Yeah. Nope, they're closing at 11. But yeah. the place is always packed. They have two locations. I mean, the one down by me, but it's great. We have a Chinese restaurant that's some of the best Chinese food. And we've had family in from out of town who used to go to Chinatown in San Francisco. And they're like, this is, this is like what you would get there. Oh, wow. That's good for, for so, central Ohio in the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah awesome. And I mean, that restaurant now hasn't even opened their dining room. They're like, you know what? When this started, they closed for six weeks. They're like, hey, we just need to figure this out. We want our staff to be safe. It's a family run business. And they open back up and they're only doing carry out. Yeah. But, and while that doesn't really hurt them a whole lot, because I think about 60 to 70% of what they did anyways was carry out. Yeah. But yeah. they don't, you can't even walk into their dining room. They have a table set up when you walk in that that's where you pick up your food. Nice. So, yeah. Well, that's the current event discussion. Yeah. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. All we right. went off on a little bit of a tangent, but. Yeah. I'm going to move your announcements up to the beginning. Is that cool? That's cool. Go uh, for it. I'll read them and we can talk about that for a second. We have a new white paper around strategic sample blending. It kind of lends itself into some of the news that we'll get to later, but um, it's best practice for tracking studies. Now is probably the time to reconsider what you're doing with tracking studies. This will help you from our perspective um, what to think about for it. So it's on our website. Through our socials, well, uh, strategic sample blending. If you do a tracker study, I would recommend downloading it. And the second thing is our webinar recently with Amy Carley, Jason Enderhees, when to DIY and when to call a pro. And that was last week. We have it on demand on our website in our resources section. And so those are two EMI things if you're interested. 
Yeah. Um, it is a good time. As you mentioned, if you are doing trackers, if you aren't looking at it now, you're probably doing you and your client a disservice because we've never seen this much change in consumer behavior that this quickly, would you say? Yeah. No, yeah. There's no way ever. <laughs> right. So, I mean, and the other piece earlier, yeah, right? Yeah. So, and then one other one I did not list here because I wanted to do it Uh-oh. is that the IntelliCast podcast is the podcast sponsor for this year's Insights Marketing Day in December. Oh my. Registration is open and the first 250 registrants are getting a cool swag box full of stuff. So we're contributing to it. I'm not going to share what it is, but it is going to be pretty cool. You have other places like HubSpot. They're, They're contributing a bunch of stuff. There's a it's a who's who's list of sponsors for this thing yeah, that's cool. being put on by little bird marketing. So, okay. So if someone wanted to register for insights marketing day, you'd Google insights marketing day or go to a little bird um, marketing website, both, or you can go to our show notes. I'll put the link there. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Um, cool. So yeah, you want to talk some market research news now? Yeah, there's as always, I feel like there's just a plethora of news. There is. Do you not remember a couple months ago? We're like, man, we got nothing to talk about this episode. Really crazy what's yeah. happening, the shift in the landscape. Yeah. So first off, Paradigm Sample has purchased Tell what, the Tell What panel assets. Yeah. Tell What is probably a panel, unless you're really in a sample, you may not be aware of. But they've been around for a while. They're Canadian panel. That's how I think about them is a small Canadian panel. Well, there really aren't any large Canadian panels. They have some U.S. Uh, panels as well, but we've worked with them for years. Tell what. Um, and so Paradigm Sample acquires them. It just continues the consolidation and sample. Um, Judy Morrison is the founder and former CEO. She seems excited, and she's really nice. She's super smart, and she's been in sampling for a long time. So cool to see them merging those assets. And again, you know, it's just continued consolidation. Yep. I think we I think we need to add this to our list of mergers and acquisitions that we talk about. Yes. And maybe we should reach out to Judy and have her on the on the on the podcast. <laughs> sure. Let's have Judy. We'll have Judy Morrison on, hopefully. Or uh Steve Lavasa, who has her own um podcast. Um maybe we'll we'll have her on too. By the way, are we gonna have any guests on from Insights Marketing Day since we're the podcast sponsor? We will. We are going to have a few interviews with people that are going to be there. We're going to do a co-podcast with the Little Bird marketing team as well. So, yeah. You like how I switched right back to the... (laughs) I I did. (laughs) I did, yeah. All right, cool. It was a a smooth transition, too. I guess. All right, cool. All right. Our next one gets into our ongoing theme of rebranding to weird words. Yeah. Survey Gizmo rebrands as Alchemer. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Alchemer, which, you know, if you had to brainstorm a bunch of names that the trend, Alchemer would be on it, number one. Also, it's a weird word. Is it weird to Alk- Alchemer? It's hard to say. Like, um, it, it makes you think like of an alchemist. Yeah, it's it's a good name. Um, Survey Gizmo, which I couldn't believe when I read this, has been around since 2006. That is crazy. They've been around for nearly 15 years. 
Uh, they're based out of Colorado, and they if you they're kind of a DIY survey software firm. But fifteen thousand customers in one hundred and ninety countries, million responses every day. Um, now they're called Alchemer. Which I don't think I can say it right. I don't think I'm pronouncing it correctly. I hope I'm saying it right. Alchemer. Okay, but good job for them. Yeah, their CEO said that the name Survey Gizmo served them well. It was fun and whimsical, and it clearly communicated that they provided survey software. But they said today their customers count on them for mission-critical insights and business operations, and our new name sends the message sends that message to the market. Yeah, that's that's really the trend is that I think people name their company like exactly what they did, right? Hey, we're mm-hmm. a survey gizmo. That's what we are. But as the market has evolved, the landscape has changed, and people expand their offerings, they need to change their name. So you know what? One of these upcoming episodes, we are going to list our top five name changes that we have that have already occurred and our top five predictions for name changes. Oh, oh I that's a great one. Yes, yeah. we are going to do that. Yeah. Our next story I put on there, going back to names, just because of the name of this company. Yeah. Ninja Cat, <laughs> a marketing and analytics platform, has received a significant investment from Clovis Point Capital. The terms were undisclosed, but the story did say significant. Yeah. Ninja Cat, one word, which is interesting. Um, with a capital C, Ninja Cat. I did a little bit of, of a show prep on this company. Um, so it's, it's NinjaCat.io. The owner and founder of Ninja Cat um, is Paul Baravel. He owns another company, by the way. And the name of this can company... I, can I guess Samurai Dog? Very good. It's He owns some other... Uh, but it's called Was Alana right? Shot. A line of shot, which is a golf mat, which is okay. It's a kind of a, like a portable golf swing training system. So he okay. owns um, Ninja Cat, and he also owns a line of shot. Ninja Cat, a line of shot, and he used to work at Supervan, like soup, like it's a play on words. Not like okay, not like a um, a powerful van or a really good van. A van that sells soup, like the broth. Super van. Like a food truck? (laughs) That sounds like a food truck name. It's a social enterprise gourmet food truck. Where for every... By the way, this company hasn't existed for seven years. But it it was, at the time, a social enterprise gourmet food truck. (laughs) So, Ninja Cat, um, Alina Shot, and Super Van. He also was an advisor for a company called Awkward Hug. I mean... This guy's all over the place. Okay. Know what we should do, Brian? I think we need to if we when we need to name something, we're calling this guy. We should have him on the podcast. Awkward hug is probably my favorite one you've ever said. <laughs> yes, awkward hug. Um, he's just an advisor for awkward hug. Oh. <laughs> but let's, we'll we'll have Paul on the podcast to talk about this. All right, our next one. Um, It was an interesting story. It's found that consumer insights is a key priority for CMOs during the COVID-19 recovery. Um, This article was published in Research Live. In it, they found that four in 10 chief marketing officers, roughly, obviously 40%, said that their most significant challenge over the next six to 12 months is to understand 
what is it, what is a temporary shift in consumer behavior compared to permanent changes? And this kind of goes back to some of the other stuff we've already talked about. Yes, exactly. So we know people are changing their behaviors, and um, it's a challenge to understand what that shift is. And it's going to be very different for probably every industry, right? I mean, right. the restaurant industry is n- – I talked to a restaurant owner last week. He said it will never be the same, that every single restaurant from now on is going to incorporate like a really strong um, touch-free carryout system. And that's yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Who would imagine that just nine months ago, or even less than that? And imagine retail shopping experience is very different, and online shopping behaviors, and we could go on and on and on. And trying to understand that is is a, certainly a challenge. Thinking about that, um, since we are getting near the end of October, big shopping seasons coming up with Black Friday. Yeah. Have you seen? We've had we just had Amazon Prime Day. Yeah. Um, I think that was brilliant moving that to October. Yeah. Cuz I know lots of people like myself did a little bit of Christmas shopping then cuz there's been some times that we've ordered stuff and it's taken a few weeks. Yep. I will use my example of the couch we purchased back in June. Yeah. We finally have it. But that was almost 4 months later. Right. So if I like that Amazon move there, but have you seen that like Walmart not only are they going to be closed Thanksgiving Day, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, but they have spread out their Black Friday shopping. Yeah. Like, you know what? We're not having one big event. We're having a like a Black Friday November where every week they have certain specials, and a lot of them are online. You know, that's funny you say that because that reminds me that the Insights Association is having the Corporate Researchers Conference, which is only spread out over a couple of weeks, Tuesdays and Thursday afternoons. So it's going on mm-hmm. right now when we're recording, and maybe – Walmart is piggybacking off of what Insights Association did um, and spreading things out. I've, and I've seen other places kind of spread things out yeah. like that. Um, it's changing it's, it's changing everything, right? Right. Well, you have – do you want to have each store manage uh, different restrictions on the number of people in their store and all of that? I mean it's already hectic yeah. during Black Friday. I don't know if you do any Black Friday shopping. No. My wife likes to. Yeah. We have gone, not since we've had children have we gone, but there was a time we would go to Walmart, and honestly, they're probably the best at it. I that I know that's weird to say, but they spread out all the deals throughout the store. It's a line. You get a ticket. If you get a ticket, you're guaranteed the item. I mean, there's no trampling of people or anything like that. Yeah. Well, funny story. Last year, Black Friday, I may have told this story in the podcast. On Thanksgiving Day last year, I was driving to my parents' house, and my engine blew up. We didn't know at the time my engine had blown up, so we thought maybe it just needed some oil. We went to um, Walmart. This wasn't Black Friday. This was really Thanksgiving night about 9 p.m., which is pretty much Black Friday. There's Black Friday shopping started there, Yeah. yeah. And so we did not go to buy the newest iPad. We did not go to buy a PlayStation or an Xbox, we went to buy a funnel, a flashlight, an oil filter, and um, some oil. And it was one of the worst experiences of my life because they had prepared to sell the items for Black Friday. They had not prepared for like somebody like me just buying a quart of oil. And it right. was yeah. horrible. So hopefully that will be improved this year. If, if that happens to someone else, God forbid, over Thanksgiving and you have to go to Walmart – 
if they spread it out, maybe for the normal, quote, normal shoppers that are just there to because they need something, not because they're trying to get the greatest deal, maybe it'll be a better experience. That was a long well, story. Hopefully it's, hopefully it's on Black Friday because they are going to be closed Thanksgiving Day. So they're not ah, starting yeah. until like 6 a.m. So they'll have that experience. You can't go there this year. Okay. Yeah. Well, we have a lot of changes today. So yeah. understanding consumer insights is key for CMOs. Completely agree. It's going to be tough. Whoever whoever does the best job, which a lot of the ways to understand um, consumer insights and changes in behavior will be doing research. Um, and a lot of it's going to just be kind of gut instinct. And, you know, there's, we can't, I don't think people are, are necessarily – it'll be tough to kind of communicate or understand what the world's going to look like in three months, nine months, two years. Right. Um, so good luck. And I think as we've gone through COVID, you had we saw in March and April and stuff like that, everything was kind of like paused, like, okay, stop. We don't this is just gonna everyone thought, okay, a couple month a month or two we'll be good and we'll be back to yeah. normal. And then what, let's call it end of June, July, it started to sit in like, nope, this is gonna be the long haul. And then you saw, all right, now we need to figure out then. Because this isn't just a blip. This is the new normal. Now we need to figure out how stuff has changed. And I think it you're seeing that continued even more. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. New world. Yep. Um, our next one. I found this surprising. Nearly two-thirds of the global companies are prepared to invest in their brand despite the COVID-19 pandemic, according to a survey from the Institute of Practitioners in Advertising and the Financial Times. Um, I think this is interesting because you see a lot of different organizations looking to cut because of all of the stress they have been under this year, particularly in certain industries. But yeah. you're saying two thirds of companies are going to, well, we have to invest, which is the right thing to do at this time. Yeah. I think that we've seen this before in recessions that, you know, a recession hits, you cut, you streamline, and then you immediately invest. And I think that you know, it wasn't, we didn't have, the recession wasn't that long ago. And so most brands have been through something somewhat similar to what we're experiencing. I think a lot of companies have been hoarding cash throughout this. They have money to spend. And they know, I think it's still related to our previous study as well, that they know now is the time to really, if you can win um, and understanding what the landscape's going to look like, then there's a huge opportunity. So this is really an investment in their future, um, not really just like you know, advertising for their brand, building awareness, and your traditional kind of um, insights and research and marketing spend. This is really a lot of spend around taking advantage of the situation. And you see that with like, a lot of ads uh, are very different now, and um, we've seen a huge shift on just a million different things. But yeah. Yeah. I think with that, you, as you mentioned, there was a, I think a lot of companies, I agree, did hoard cash, but then I think you had a lot that had to burn through it. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking like airline industries, yeah, anything to do with the airlines, whether you're in manufacturing parts or components to jets, to flying, travel and leisure, they've had to burn through a ton. Now, if you have ones that, Hey, I'm looking to expand in an area. Now you're going bargain shopping. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why you see a lot of the consolidation, right? There's, there's certainly bargain shopping out there. So, all right. Our next story, Alita 
has partnered with data analytics and AI firm Stratified. Uh, well, first of all, you, you, I know why you did this. <laughs> stratified is not stratified. It's stratified with a Y somehow. Like, this anti-vowel thing is out of control. Like, I w- I w- I'm going to go on public record. I'm not, I'm, I don't want to partner with a company that doesn't know how to use a vowel correctly. It's stratified with a Y. It doesn't make any sense to me. And by the way, we had a company reach out to us that we talked about on the podcast. That was really nice of them. Yep. And so I can't remember the name of it, honestly. But strat- let's go back to Stratified and we'll go back to this other name. Um, stratified doesn't make any sense to me. Whatever. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. It was like Intelligex, I think, yeah, Intelligex, the one who reached out. Intelligex reached yeah. out, and thankfully they had a good sense of humor about it. Um, Intelligex, which is, is missing the Y. Ah, oh, maybe we know what happened to the Y. Yeah. Maybe Stratified stole the Y of Intelligex, which is missing the vowel. I don't know. Maybe it all comes together. It, it feels like we brought back the old school rant right there. Yes. Well, also, Intelligex said that they um, – Someone else had got the name, I think, is what happened. Yeah, so they had to tweak it a little bit. Yeah, the intelligence with the E was taken. So, you know, that makes sense. All right. Our last story, um, something that came out yesterday. Amazon has launched an invite-only panel through which participants can earn monthly rewards by sharing receipts from purchases made outside of Amazon and by completing short surveys. So... I got read this and thought, okay, Amazon wants to know what you're buying, not from them, to figure out a way for you to buy it from them. Yes. So they can continue their world takeover. Yes. You you sent me this news article. My immediate response was, oh boy, here comes Bezos, right? Um, yep. And I laughed. Yep. <laughs> and Amazon's worth is more than our entire industry. And imagine the insights that they or Google could have on someone. And it looks like they're trying to maybe understand that and leverage it. Just exactly what you said. I downloaded the app, by the way. And sometimes people say it's invite only. Uh, this was really invite only. They would not let me in. So I can't get the, the Amazon shopper panel app yet. Um, but you can upload 10 receipts per month from non-Amazon retailers, and then you get 10 bucks. So it's it's a pretty good deal. A bucket receipt, not, not a bad. A bucket receipt, which is higher than there's other more traditional panels that are doing it. But Amazon is going to be directly, I mean, they're going to take that data and immediately start figuring out how to sell yeah. it, right? I mean, come on. Right. Well, they said that this is an invite panel, but I question whether it's going to be a panel they're going to sell access to, or is this they're going to get people to get the insights they need to drive their business decisions on how to make the next move. So like how they got Whole Foods. Okay, we've got the food market. What's the next piece that we need? Right. I think that's what it'll be used for. I doubt they would build a like, you know, a panel division that would sell it to third parties like us. Um, Google kind of dabbled in it for a while. I don't think it was very successful. Um, Some other, Facebook a little bit, even Twitter, you can do some polling. But I don't think, it doesn't seem like to be a business model that at least in the past, these tech companies have wanted to get in. Amazon might, I mean, they have so much 
um, profiling and shopper data, they could probably sell it at a, at a decent chunk of change because they know exactly what and when everybody purchases, and that's valuable data. Um, so maybe, I don't know. But if Google if Google hasn't been successful, I have a feeling Amazon may not go down that path, but what do I know? Well, I, I you mentioned a few names. You mentioned Google and who else? Facebook, Twitter. What's the difference between Facebook, Google, Twitter, and Amazon? Amazon's primary... Yeah. Yep. Primary is a primary a retailer. Yep. Yep. So I could this makes much more sense with them than maybe those other ones. Because yep. for that, they don't have to make this turn this into a profit center. This is just an internal piece that, hey, you know what? Any residuals we make off the Fire 7 tablets will pay for this. Done. Yep. But this is gonna help us determine what are people buying elsewhere. If I'm in a different retail industry. I don't know if it's big box, grocery, specialty item. I if I read that, I would be concerned. Yeah, because they're going. Because I mean, they're going to be looking at Walmart receipts. They're going to be looking at every category receipt ASAP. And this is the next step for them to be broken up in 2022. That's my prediction. <laughs> um, uh, but it's going to get involved and break them up because this is too much. Um, this is what I would do, right? If, you, if I was Bezos, I would. This is exactly what I would do. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at that. You mentioned Walmart receipts. Hey, people are. I you have a couple hundred people upload them. They see the trends. Oh, people are buying this. Well, why are they buying? Oh, look, Walmart has it. Our price on this. Our retailer. You know what? We're going to bring this piece to in-house. That's on and make it part of our hour delivery. Yep. Boom. Now I can compete with that. Yep, that's so. It's, and that will happen soon. It will oh. not take them very long to figure this out. No, I mean, this might sound weird, but even like furniture stores, which you can't imagine furniture being at risk. We, our dining room table and chairs, we bought off of Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you put that on there. Hey, I'm uploading my list. Oh, they got this type of furniture. Oh, you know what? We could put this in there. Yeah. So um, Bezos Marketing Research has now been formed and um, looking forward to learning more about what they're getting ready to do. Yeah. Because we'll hear about it. Yeah, this is one to watch. Yeah. I think that covers all our news stories for this week. Woo, that was a lot of news. A lot of mergers and acquisitions, a lot of rebranding, a lot of discussions about how people are reacting to the current climate. I guess that's all. Thanks for listening, everybody. We should have guests on soon. Um, check out Insights Marketing Day if you haven't been before. Um, reach out to us at Intellicast at emi-rs.com. Follow us on Twitter. Leave us a voicemail or text at 513-401-5463. Thanks, everybody. Have a good day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.